The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, greetings once again, everyone, um, our faithful listeners, and welcome. You're tuned to The Open Door, the internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. Yes, you are. And I'm Ross Brunson. Mm-hmm. Today's focus, soulmates and twin flames. Now, this is a fascinating topic. <laughs> well, you know, every week brings another interesting subject, doesn't it? Way better, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this subject really hits close to home, I think, for just about everybody, because you're either in a relationship or not. And Right, yeah. exactly. This, I suppose, is one of my patented uh, Captain Obvious moments where yes. uh, at some point in our lives, everyone's been in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of one sort, sort or another. <clears throat> well, and you know, and some of them are more successful than others. And I think there's reasons for that. I've <laughs> uh, been there, done yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, relationships do come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them are very short, they're fleeting. Mm-hmm. Some uh, last a little while, and, you know, some are lifelong. Or longer. Let's not forget past lives. Uh, <laughs> you know, that reminds me, you know, we used to uh, have those, those lines where we would, uh, you know, what's your sign? Mm-hmm. Come here often. Mm-hmm. This kind of gives us a whole new level of meaning, doesn't it? It certainly does. <laughs> the yes, I do. About every 70 years or so. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, I think we can safely say that a lot of relationships are mm-hmm. karmic. Yes, yes, they are definitely karmic in nature. So they're paying attention to our relationships, uh, noting the kinds of people we attract. And in converse, the people who are attracted to us. Yeah, both sides of the coin. But really looking at the nature and quality of our relationships can tell us a lot about who we are. And... They can also tell us a lot about who we've been. Not that we're diving into past lives, but the fact that the recognition that something might be longer than just this lifetime. Well, you know, uh, how many times have you said to yourself, meeting somebody, we, 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 we instantly knew each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something in common that we had. You never spoke a word to each other, but you knew there was something about that relationship yeah, that was that very, from, you know? very yeah. clear. You know, and um, it's a fascinating topic, I know, and it's one that at times can be really confusing for mm-hmm. people. Um, we're talking about, you know, the karmic relationships because many people who become engaged with this subject. Well, this is an interesting choice of words. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. Well, they begin to wonder, like, who their twin flames are, mm-hmm. where they are. Uh, they'd like to know where they came from in the first place. Uh, the whole idea of twin flames raises more questions than answers. Which we're going to fix. <laughs> we hope to, yeah. yeah. The difference with, like the difference between soulmates and twin flames. Good Each of us has a twin soul or a twin flame that was created by God in the beginning out of this single 
white fire body. Mm -hmm. In other words, we're two halves of a whole. Mm -hmm. God divided this this body up into those two separate spheres, gave one a masculine male polarity mm -hmm. and the other a feminine or female polarity. In other words, those twin flames together would constitute that complete and balanced and perfect whole spirit. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you've ever seen the Tai Chi, you know, the yin-yang mm -hmm. symbol, um, you'll have a pretty good idea how the original sphere was separated mm -hmm. and how the two parts fit so perfectly together. You do. You know, our soulmates, on the other hand, are these very close, kindred types of souls mm -hmm. who a lot of times we can mistake for being our twin flame. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you look at somebody and you go, oh, we have all these things in common, but it may just be that kindred soul. So those soulmates who often come together do so because they're working on the same kind of karma yeah. and mastering that karma and a lot of times developing along the same path. Yeah, and the same chakric mm -hmm. energies. That's right. right. Uh, the union of soulmates, uh, it can be beautiful. It can you know be blissful uh, in many uh, instances and in fact i think sometimes it can approach the original intensity of the mm -hmm. twin soul union but they don't complete each other in the unique way that twin flames do you know that's true and and so ultimately that relationship a lot of times can be uh, i wouldn't we wouldn't want to say practice relationship but it, <laughs> but, it, but in many ways it's yeah. you know you're loving the person to whom you're you're set with uh and we'll talk later on when our questions and answers about this because yep. a lot of people want to know uh you know what where does that love go yeah yeah does it go to my twin flame it, you know, so soulmates have an attraction that oftentimes is based on, on this unity of a sacred labor or the mission that you have here on earth and, the, and that path of self-mastery that oftentimes you'll find yourself right close next to somebody and you look at them and you're doing the same thing and, you know, and it, it can be very attractive. Absolutely. Um, and you might say that a soulmate is like an echo of yourself. Mm -hmm. But soulmates were not created at precisely the same moment as twin flames were. Mm -hmm. And they don't share the original moment of their birth into the beautiful and perfect state that only twin flames share. That's a very, very important distinction. So, you know, I've got a question. Mm -hmm. So if we and our twin flames were created in this beautiful and perfect state, how did we end up here? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, I'm sure our friend Sidney Bennett, uh, whom we'll hear from a little bit later, will be able to answer that in detail. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the moment, would you believe that we volunteered? Yes, I, I do believe that. <laughs> exactly what I believe. We did volunteer to bring God's love to earth. Yeah. And from the Ascended Masters and from cosmic history, we know that many of our earlier incarnations were quite blissful. Well, yeah, I mean, we were literally living at that time in an earthly paradise. And we gave it all up. Why? Because it was free will and it was our choice to do so. That's right, free will, God's greatest gift to his children. Mm -hmm. yeah. So here we are. Most of us have been more than likely cut adrift from our twin flames. We're mm -hmm. wandering through earth and it's dense and it's hard and we're trying to find our way back home. That is a very tidy nutshell, Ross. <laughs> Thank you. That is our current predicament. Um, and now, if you haven't already, would you like to meet your twin flame? Uh, sure, I'd love to, <laughs> but... You know, that's the, that's the tough part of uh, this yeah. is that there are sometimes reasons why we are separated from our twin flames. Yep. We have had the capacity to mess things up for a long time. Mm -hmm. And if we have a lot of karma together, there may be a reason why God has put us apart. You could never be, know. Could, could be a lot to handle. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that there might be some opposition to our establishing wholeness from the uh, dark side. Mm, the fallen ones, fallen uh, angels. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess we, we, we won't go there today. 
No, we should. No, I think yeah. this is a, a topic for another day. But we can we can save that one for another day. Yeah. And of course, we can expand a little bit more on this topic of uh, soulmates and relationships and twin flames. Maybe offer something a bit uh, safer. <laughs> yeah, drum roll, marriage. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> no, that's a safe topic. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure both of our spouses are listening, and yes. <laughs> we'll hear about this. <laughs> well, we all know that God has blessed the human institution of marriage as the opportunity for two individuals, a man and a woman to develop a, a level of wholeness through the exchange of alpha and omega and the polarities of ma- masculine and feminine. Absolutely, yeah. So, and whether this marriage is between twin flames, soulmates, or karmic partners, the union is meant to be a mystical, excuse me, a mystical union. Well, it is. And, you know, um, it's interesting to note that Jesus chose to perform his first public miracle at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Had the groom show up on time? Yeah. (laughs) That was, I believe, the marriage feast at Cana, right? Yeah, where he turned water into wine. And symbolically, this was a way of telling us that unless the marriage union is transformed by the Holy Spirit, it is only an outer experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we're really saying here is is that all relationships have the capacity to be mystical and holy. And there's a sacredness to those relationships that should be honored and, well, frankly, should be spiritualized. Absolutely. It's through our relationships that a great deal of learning about ourselves and our world can be accomplished. Um, I, you know, the cosmic interchange of divine love in the marriage relationship is meant to be the same creative love that framed the universe in the beginning. Well, you know, the universe is, you know, alpha and omega. Yeah. You know? Okay. So here we are once again, you know, back to our favorite theme. <laughs> Can't that, leave it alone. Yeah, we are co-creators with God. It's and amazing. what we say and what we do causes things to happen. Yeah, and one moment we're talking about twin flames and soulmates, the next moment we're talking about God-given power to create. Well, and that, you know, you look at soulmates and twin flames and marriage and relationships and children, and that is the power to create in our own little way. So there's no surprise that the two of these are related. And in relationships, I think we're dealing with the sacred energies of creation and life, you know, children, etc., and something that we should never take lightly. No, absolutely not. That's why casual relationships can be so counterproductive. Mm -hmm. I mean, those that involve physical intimacy can easily take our attention away from the real purpose of the sacred adventure and the holy journey of marriage. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, traditionally uh, people who were engaged or in a, in a soon to be married relationship are encouraged to keep things on a, you know, uh, yeah. What am I looking for? What's the word? <laughs> Abstinent level? <laughs> Something like that. Yes. yes. You know, a little, a little more platonic. So we have to enter these relationships mm-hmm. as a, a, actually as an opportunity to become more of or to seek more completeness through the relationship with God. Yeah, exactly. It's an opportunity to help our relationship partner mm-hmm. become more of God. And we'll be honoring the institution in the creative spirit in which it was originally intended. Mm-hmm. For, so for more on this subject of soulmates, twin flames, and the alchemical marriage, we're now going to hear once again from our friend Terry Kennedy. Good old Teddy. He was reading Terry. a uh, excerpt from our popular pocket guide, Soulmates and Twin Flames by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Let's listen to that now. Soulmates and Twin Flames Each one of us has a twin soul or twin flame who was created with us in the beginning. God created you and your twin flame out of a single white fire body. He separated this white fire ovoid into two spheres of being, one with a masculine polarity and the other with a feminine polarity, but each with the same spiritual origin and unique pattern of identity. Eons ago, you and your twin flame stood before the Father-Mother God and volunteered to descend into the planes of matter to bring God's love to earth. The original plan was that you would go through a series of incarnations in both masculine and feminine embodiments as each half of the divine whole learned to be the instrument of the Father-Mother God. 
Our early life on earth was blissful, and we would each have continued to share the beauty of the relationship of cosmic lovers with our twin flame throughout our many incarnations if we had remained in harmony with each other and with God. But we fell from the state of perfection by misusing God's light. This is the true meaning of the Garden of Eden story. Had we retained the harmony of the One, the rapture of our love would have remained throughout our lifetimes on earth. But when harmony was lost, through fear, mistrust, or a sense of separation from our source, we became the victims of our negative karma. Separated vibrationally, no longer preferring one another, we were bound by entangling alliances and mutual neglect until our souls cried out for the living God and each other. Each incarnation apart from our twin flame was spent either creating negative karma or balancing some of the karma that stood in the way of our reunion. At times we assumed various relationships with our twin flame, husband-wife, mother-son, father-daughter, and sister-brother, in order to unwind the negative strands of energy we had woven into our subconscious through our misuse of free will. Now is the time, at the end of this cycle of history and moving into the Aquarian Age, that people of light who are on a spiritual path need to learn to contact their twin flames. This search is prompted by our higher selves, but inadequately understood at the physical level. Often, when people learn that they share a unique mission with their twin flame, they begin to search physically for that one special soul instead of seeking their wholeness within. This is always a detour on the path to soul liberation. It is our relationship to God and our higher self that holds the key to finding and becoming one with our twin flame. Cosmic law requires that we first define our own identity in God before we can completely unlock the joint spiritual potential of our twin flames. For until twin flames achieve a certain level of mastery and oneness with their own real selves, they are often unable to cope with the weight of their negative karma as it is amplified by the presence of their twin flame. The same unique factor that gives twin flames their great spiritual power, their identical blueprint of identity, can likewise cause the amplification of their negative patterns. Ultimately, each and every one of us must learn to change the negative patterns, the base metal of the human ego, into the gold of our divine or real self. This is called the alchemical marriage, the marriage of our soul, the feminine aspect of our being, to the Lamb, who is the real and enduring spiritual self, the masculine aspect. The love of this beloved Christ self, in other words, that part of us who maintains constant contact with the Source, the I Am Presence, is an incomparable love. This is the Beloved, for whom the saints of East and West have given their all. By daily accelerating consciousness through their communion with God, the saints gradually transcended the human ego. Eventually their souls merged with their real spiritual self as they ascended back to the heart of God. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. When we come back, we'll take a deeper look at the correct basis for relationships when we hear an interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet entitled Sexuality and Spirituality. Don't go away.
for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back. In the following interview entitled Sexuality and Spirituality, Elizabeth Clare Prophet discusses how we can identify what kind of relationship we might be in and how the use of the exchange of love and God's energy can be beneficial. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. Picking up where we left off yesterday, what about soulmates and twin flames? As we were saying, twin flames are the opposite polarity of the same being. People in love often find that they feel in their oneness that they are part of the same person. And this is the energy of love that comes from God, as God really is the source of love in our relationships. Twin flames were created by God in the beginning, out of the same sphere of consciousness. Each half of the whole has the same electronic pattern or blueprint, and that blueprint is not duplicated anywhere in cosmos. Twin flames often look alike, and yet they are often opposite in their manifestations as they are intended to be the totality of the Father-Mother God in expression. Soulmates are complementary souls who are working out a polarity of manifestation in one of the planes of consciousness. Their tie is for a particular mastery in time and space, whereas the ultimate union is with one's twin flame. Now the energies which twin flames share are the energies of God. And when these energies are consecrated to the glorification of the real self and of reality, we find that joy and bliss and expansion of consciousness and creativity follow them wherever they go. How likely is it that a person will find one's soulmate or one's twin flame? It is often very likely people incarnate and they travel halfway around the world to find that twin flame. 
and it is because there is an inner magnet and an inner lodestone that draws one to one's true self, one's inner self and to its representative in form. The story of Evangeline is the story of the pursuit of one's twin flame. There's a great deal of energy on sexual matters going around these days, and we hear a lot of talk about it's absolutely essential to be free in what one does. How do you feel about that? Well, I look at the word sex as an abbreviated term for sacred energy or sacral energy. Sex is the sacred energy of life, and the origin of that energy is in the mother focus, the base of the spine chakra. I don't deal with sex as being right or wrong, but I deal with God as energy. I deal with the individual having free will and the gift from God to determine what he will do with that energy. He may choose to meditate upon the trinity within the heart and the magnet of light within the heart to raise the energy of the sacred fire from the base of the spine chakra. With the raising of that kundalini comes an experience in each succeeding chakra. In the base of the spine chakra, the seat of the soul, then the solar plexus, the heart, the throat, the third eye, and the crown. These centers are sacred centers for God awareness. The polarity of the centers is the masculine ray. When we raise the mother light or the mother energy from the base of the spine, there is the fulfillment of wholeness in each succeeding chakra and the individual will experience the bliss of attunement with the Father, Mother, God, and of wholeness. Sex, then, is much more than a simple experience between man and woman. It is a very intimate experience with God. And the individual has been given a gift of energy. It is a portion of the Godhead. And a portion of that energy is anchored in each of the chakras. We have the free will then to decide what we will do with this energy. Many people have seen that through meditation and the giving of mantras, how easy it is to raise the sacred fire and to begin to have deep inner experiences in the mysteries of God. Alternatively, the use of the sacred fire in sex has its highest culmination when it is for the bringing forth of children within the marriage framework. That is the great dedication of the sacred fires within the base chakra itself. When it is not for the purpose of bringing forth children, it is for the purpose of the balance of energies between man and woman in the married state. Now that balance of energy may also be achieved by the raising of the energies of the spine and their consecration in each of the chakras until finally the opening of the thousand petal lotus through the crown chakra. The bliss of this experience cannot be described and it cannot be compared to any earthly bliss. It is beyond what anyone could even imagine he could experience in this life. The bliss of that union then far outweighs any other union and yet until man and woman have tasted of that fruit, many of course prefer the sexual experience. Then you're saying that, that enlightenment is related to inner wholeness. Well, I would say enlightenment is related to the raising of the energies of the mother to become one with the father within the self. Enlightenment comes through contact with God. But we've talked about the proper use of sexual energies. What about the misuse of sexual energies? 
The misuse of sexual energies comes about in the overindulgence in sex and its perversions, which we are aware are rampant on earth today. The normal flow of the sexual energies between man and woman, united and blessed by their own inner God presence, is certainly ordained by the Lord. The misuse of sex cuts off the natural attunement of the soul with the I Am Presence because the soul requires this sacred fire in order to rise to that higher level of consciousness which is the union with the Godhead. We find that the misuse of sex and its proliferation in promiscuity results in untimely diseases, degeneration, and disintegration. Michelangelo was asked why the face of Mary in the Pieta was so young when Jesus was 33 and she is holding him as he comes down from the cross. And his reply was that the virtuous woman is always young. It is not a matter of sin and virtue. It is not a matter of right and wrong. It is a matter of the conservation of the life force. When one conserves the life force, one has a greater quantity of God manifesting within the temple. And so I think that by free will, when individuals misuse sex through overindulgence, that they are depriving themselves of cosmic consciousness. People then who are sensual by nature are very much involved in the things of this world, and they deprive themselves of the inner bliss of the heaven world that is within all of us. This is the great loss, not because it is a sin, but because the sex has become a wedge between the self and the Godhead. The thrust of so much of the material that you see on media and read in books and literature these days seems to be directed toward persuading people to misuse their sexual energies. Is this directed toward death? Well, I would say that the attempt to keep mankind in an eternal round of involvement in the things of this world, we might say, is calculated to deprogram the soul from its natural inclination to rise. The natural inclination of the soul to seek the inner union with the God-Self is very much a part of the yearning and the sense of loneliness. And because people do not have the path presented to them, they satiate themselves in the activities of this life and they keep themselves going 24 hours a day because when everything stops, they are still left with that gnawing, that loneliness, which is the soul that has not been satisfied through that bliss experience, which should be the daily experience of one's meditation. So you're offering meditation as uh, an alternative. I have given courses in meditation and in the use of the science of the spoken word where I have seen young people and people of all ages draw the energies of the sacred fire naturally into higher chakras. And I have seen the blossoming of life. I have seen joy and health and radiant faces and fulfillment that the world would not conceive could be achieved with the mastery of this energy. In light of what you've said, what's your advice to young people? Well, I would emphasize the fact that we have all been given this tremendous gift from God, which is free will. The second tremendous gift we have been given is the use of God's energy. All energy which we use in thought, in feeling, and in our sexual expressions belongs to God. What we have to realize is we have only so much energy that we have been given, and we must decide what we are to use it on. 
This energy is reflected in the quantity of time and space that is available to us each day and the limitations which we all experience of what we can accomplish. Multiply this over a lifetime and you see that there is not an infinite portion but a finite portion that is allotted to us. I would tell young people then that the sacred fire within you is your creative life force. You can put it to use for the elevation of the entire earth or you can squander it on the immediate indulgences of the senses. I would say that sex in proportion and in balance is part of life on earth but when it becomes out of balance it becomes the death of the soul consciousness. I would encourage young people then to take up the study of meditation, to study the science of the spoken word, to experiment with the experiencing of these sacred energies in all of the chakras and not just in the base of the spine. This is altogether possible and it can be begun today and the experiences that you can have beginning right now are phenomenal. There is just a world of light and joy waiting for the individual who will just try to enter into meditation and in the use of scientific mantras. Isn't special training required? Yes, special training is required and this is why we have Summit University here, why we've written a number of books on the subject. It does require coming in contact with those who are currently demonstrating this science and we'd like to invite young people to visit us and to call us up to just for a moment consider an alternative way of life which actually has been lived for thousands of years in previous cultures on earth thank you very much we'll pick up where we left off up next our weekly visit and Q&A with Sidney Bennett please stay with us online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. 
Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to the Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us once again is our friend Sydney Bennett. Hello, Sydney. Hello. Hi, Sydney. I think it's probably uh, appropriate that we kind of dive right in with the big question here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the God-intended nature of the marriage, of um, the marriage relationship? Shall we well, say? Um, we're a little short on time for that answer, <laughs> but uh, in a nutshell, you know, we're on this planet to gain mastery. You gain mastery through trial and error, and uh, I've been married almost 30 years, and I can mm. tell you there's been a lot of errors in those 30 years <laughs> on my part. Mm. But it's been also the most wonderful experience I, I've had in this life. Mm-hmm. And so we learn mastery, how to interact with another person, whether that person is a twin flame, a soulmate, or a, karmic, or soulmate or a karmic relationship. It's the perfection of love. And, you know, and even when you have children, until I had a, had a daughter, I never really realized what unselfishness was and the concern and care mm-hmm. for others. So it's part of the learning and growing experience, but it also is a wonderful experience when you have two people, especially if they're both striving on the spiritual path and can work together to learn the mysteries and to grow. But I want to make one important distinction here. The, the spouse, the husband or the wife, is not to take your hand and lead you to God. Mm-hmm. It's to work together with you. But each one is independent, must pursue God on their own, and yet support each other in their own pursuit because only us as individuals mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. find our way back to God. It's almost as if it's like uh, you know, when, you're, when you're in college and you're trying to get your degree, you've got a major, and the major is to get back to God, and the minor is to assist your spouse in their role of getting back to God. Well, I think, and there can be parallel. They can, mm-hmm. they can be in one, um, mm-hmm. in unison, and that, of course, allows for the most beautiful and spiritual relationship, um, regardless of who your spouse is, if you're all in the same working on the same goal. Well, you know, and we've, we've just talked about this before as far as being parents. Uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of times people don't realize how much more open their heart can become <laughs> when they get married. And then when you have, especially a daughter, for me, <laughs> really opens up your heart. Boys and girls. <laughs> yeah, that's Boys. right. You know, it just really, really does. And you don't realize what you're really here for until you, you, know, you see this little life that you're working oh. for. And, and the amazing part is God is really preparing us for the future after we become ascended beings and there's a vastness of space where there is nothing that's waiting for creation and we can be part of that because God is teaching us how to be co-creators and how to have that love that is necessary to bring forth life. You know, um, we've all said it, you guys just said it in, mm-hmm. in a few minutes ago that part of that relationship, the marriage relationship does often involve children 
And in terms of the creation aspect of a, of a relationship, we have another one that we haven't really spoken of yet. This is the karmic relationship between the parent and the child. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> if we have a karmic debt with a soul or they have it with us, it must be resolved. And many times this must happen physically. For example, if someone kills someone in another embodiment, then they are responsible to be the parents of that soul in, in, in the future, which means they have to raise them and give them life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not, that's the, not the only karmic relationship I was with parents <laughs> and children. <laughs> but many times the, the roles are reversed. A parent in one lifetime will be a child in the next. I, I know um, uh, a friend of mine, her daughter, when she was very young, maybe three years old, said to her mother, Mommy, I used to be the mommy and you used to be the baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and so there's all these relationships. But... Karmic relations aren't necessarily bad. You can have a karmic relation with someone that can be very beautiful and very moving, but it must, there's something that needs to be resolved. Mm -hmm. And I want to add, getting back to children for a minute, many times parents, two individuals, have a responsibility or a, a, a karma to bring forth certain children. Mm -hmm. And unless they're married or unless they bring forth these children, it's not going to happen. And this is why when a, a mother will abort a child, mm -hmm. um, why an opportunity is lost. Because right. th that soul was meant to be part of that person's life, whatever their circumstances. And so it gets very complicated. But it, it, it requires us to be very careful in how we act and interact and thoughtful and reflective on the relationships and what we have in our life. What is in your life today is what you have created, either through relationships mm -hmm. or other circumstances. It's the place where you start to resolve these things. Well, you remember, I think we define karma rather generally before as past actions cr create present circumstances. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there's one other aspect of karma that I don't think we, when we were discussing that before. When you create karma, good or bad, and you send it out in the universe, it goes essentially in a circle and it comes back to you. And you, it may be tomorrow, it may be in a thousand years. But what happens is it gains more of its own kind. Oh. So when you send out love, it brings forth, you get more love back than you sent forth. Mm -hmm. When you send out negativity, unfortunately, if you don't do anything, it's going to gather more of itself and come back to you the same way. And, you know, it's just like when you're, when you're in a relationship and you know, something irritates you and you spend the next however long it is trying to get rid of that irritation. Well, that, of course, that affects everybody around you, <laughs> and especially children are these little, little receptors that are watching you and recording everything. That's right. Well, you know, a lot of people said in the, in the New Age movement uh, over the last you know, 40, 50 years or so have considered themselves to be what they would call spiritually married. In other words, they have this affinity, we feel like we're together, etc. But they haven't had the marriage consecrated or confirmed in a, you know, a lawful ceremony. Uh, is there a karmic price that people might be paying in, in this absence of that consecration? Well, I think we need to understand that the marriage between a man and a woman is a sponsored institution from God. And so if you get married um, through some kind of a religious ceremony, it can be any kind. It doesn't have to be a particular kind. Mm -hmm. God can use that to essentially seal your marriage and your relationship. It can protect that. It can give you light and sponsorship to help resolve those issues. When you don't have that spiritual protection, it doesn't mean that people don't love each other. Mm -hmm. But what it does mean is they're missing an ingredient that mm -hmm. can help them so much in resolving anything in their marriage and to protect that marriage because it is sponsored when it's done through a spiritual organization. So me, big fan of analogies. It's almost as if you've bought the car and you're driving it, but you really don't have insurance. Exactly. Or but, you don't have your seatbelt. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, so so could, you, could you talk just a little bit about this word that you use that a lot of people may not quite clue into, which is sponsorship? 
Well, for instance, um, when we come into embodiment just before we're born, we go before a spiritual board called the karmic board, and we talk about what we need to do in this embodiment. And they'll list off a certain number of things and say, this is what you need to accomplish. This is your mission uh, for this life. And so in the heaven world, I think we're much more optimistic perhaps than we are when we get down <laughs> to the physical world. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they're kind of heavy and serious, and they're not things we look forward to, but we know they must be resolved. And so we come into embodiment, and if you are sincere, if you are devout, if you work the best you can, you can have that support and sponsorship to help resolve these things, which at a human level are extremely difficult. But when you add light from God that you seek, it's, it's the alchemical key. It changes equations. Just as we talked about the violet flame can soften and transmute some of these rough edges and even transmute the karma between couples or individuals. Mm-hmm. And so it, it becomes a different way of dealing with your karma than just taking it at a physical level. You spiritualize it when you have that sponsorship. So it's almost as if, again, the analogy, it's almost as if you're starting your relationship out with this kind of nest egg of light and energy from God mm-hmm. because you've taken, you've taken that step to have it constantly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, yeah. uh, for instance, uh, two people maybe end up being married in hundreds and hundreds of embodiments. And even though they have trouble getting along with each other, because they've never made the effort to resolve their relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you spiritualize things, it changes everything. I think as a male, I can, I can state that uh, understanding doesn't always mean agreement, and being married <laughs> doesn't always mean that you're working on something, but I think, I think this, this trek upwards that we're on helps us a lot with that. Uh-huh. So not, not, to, not to take it on a downer note, but it, what, what about divorce, and, and is divorce ever lawful? There are certain religions uh, on, the, on the planet that say no, and others say yes, and how do well, we look at Well, of course, at, at the time of Jesus, the teaching was that, that divorce should not be practiced, and <clears throat> Excuse me. The Catholic Church still believes that today. Mm-hmm. Well, the Ascended Masters teach that they're very practical, and they say at certain points in relationships, there's no reason to continue it because, of course, it takes two people to work together to resolve things. And if one person has absolutely decided they don't want to go in a certain direction, they don't want to change, they don't want to do anything that will build a relationship, then it may be necessary um, to divorce and to separate. Um, and, you know, that's not something that you look to do when the first time there's a problem. In other words, you use the, the tools of marriage counseling and everything you can do. But at a certain point, it may be appropriate um, to get a divorce. And I wanted to add one more thing. Mm-hmm. is that sometimes couples will come together for a specific purpose. Once that purpose has been completed, they're no longer required to stay together. Uh, it may mm-hmm. be bringing forth certain children. It may be balancing a certain karma. And generally, they know about it. And if, if, it, if you're being held back on your own individual spiritual path and you've prayed about it and the other person has no interest in, in going your direction, then the masters say it can be lawful uh, to seek a divorce. Now, I, I would imagine that it would be clear to our listeners, because we've spoken of this before, that using decrees, using prayers uh, as a means of deriving clarity in a in difficult relationship is probably uh, apropos to understanding that if we're having a difficult time, perhaps it's either we're in the thick of whatever it is we're mm-hmm. here to clean up, or maybe it is over, and we're just kind of you know, forestalling the inevitable. Right. There's two things you don't want to do. One is leave a relationship before it's, it's reached mm-hmm. the point of resolution, if it's at all possible. Mm-hmm. Or the second thing, stay in an unproductive relationship when there's no longer any reason to do so. And that takes mm-hmm. a lot of prayer and spiritual work and, and understanding. And if you ask God, and it, you know, I know that, that God will show you in the relationship, what the will is. But you can see the two-edged sword there. You don't want to leave too soon. You don't want to stay too long. Yeah. 
You know, we've got one minute left uh, in this segment, so this is uh, just fascinating. Um, <laughs> but I want to quickly get this one in. From the point of view of karma, would you say that all relationships will be more successful if they're viewed as an opportunity to balance our debt to life? And, and is this enlightened self-interest, or are we just being selfish? Well, it is enlightened self-interest, and I don't think you'd propose to your produce future spouse by saying, you know, we can, we can gain mastery and balance karma. Let's get together. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but clearly it's an understanding and there's that's a, why there's a winner, isn't there? <laughs> you know, marriages work and, and the yeah. most wonderful marriages are work. Yeah. It's a reason to work and to strive and to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. There's a purpose for things. It's not just, gee, I made a mistake. Um, in marrying this person it may not have been a mistake at all. It may have mm-hmm. been a purpose that you had to fulfill. And as long as nobody understands, we're not suggesting as a line, a pickup line, would you like to gain self-mastery? You know, <laughs> That's right, yes. <laughs> okay, that's about all the time we have for at this moment. But don't go away. We'll be right back with more from Sid Bennett and our questions and answers. Thank you. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. So we're back with Sidney Bennett to continue our discussion of soulmates, twin flames, and karmic relationships. Speaking of which, what about <laughs> those people who just seem to rub us the wrong way? I mean, is, is, is that a good sign that these are people that we've got karma with? It's a good sign you've got karma, exactly. <laughs> and, 
you know, whatever is unresolved, you need to come back and resolve it. And this is why forgiveness is so important. You know, some people say, I just can't forgive so-and-so for what he did. And obviously, some things that people have done, others have been very heinous and horrible. But at a certain point, if you don't forgive someone, then you will be back facing them again. So forgiveness is not only healing, but again, it's enlightened self-interest. Let God deal with the injustice if there was one, but you forgive, Mm -hmm. and that way you don't necessarily become karmically tied to someone and have to face them all over again in another life when you don't even know the reason why. You know, it reminds me of situations I've been in in a relationship where I thought it was the other person's fault. I, I noticed some characteristic about that, and it was a teacher of mine who said, what you see in others, you strengthen in yourself. And it came, mm-hmm. to, it brought it full circle. Suddenly I'm looking at this relationship in a wholly new light because I'm seeing that perhaps that karma is my karma and that I'm the one who's healing it, not them. And to, to support that, I think one of the things that, that I've learned and, and that I want to ask a little more clarification is, is that a lot of times the teaching is, is that when you are irritated by somebody or you see something in somebody else, it's a very good point for self-reflection mm-hmm. to see why did that catch on you. Yeah, exactly my point. Right, exactly. What we criticize as others is often what we need to work on mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, so, uh, you know, we have to be very careful in terms of criticism because it can be very negative. We have to be aware and astute and have... Um, you know, awareness of what's going on, but we have to be very careful about criticizing others. We must begin with ourselves, as Jesus taught. Now, in terms of karmic relationships, and these are ones that are not a marriage relationship, just a karmic relationship right. interaction, uh, assuming that they are going to have some sharp edges, do we have to see it through to the bitter end? I mean, is there, is there an option or two that we have to say, look, I'll come back and deal with this later? Well, you either resolve it or you deal with it again. Yeah. And so, uh, it's the, the the wise person will say, okay, I want to resolve this now if it's all possible. And of course, part of the spiritual tools we have, number one, is the violet flame, which again can soften and transmute mm-hmm. the rough edges of karma. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the other person, especially if they're on a spiritual path, you can come together and work through it. Um, you know, it's interesting. When I went to Summit University many years ago, of course, you're coming together with other people on a similar spiritual path, and you have karma with them. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And you try and work out and yeah. so forth. Well, it was the day before the, the summer reversal was over, and there was we stayed in a cabin and, a, and there was a shower for all the men and so forth. And I was walking to the shower and there was a cur- uh, to the bathroom, a shower area, and there was a shower curtain there. And someone was coming out, and we didn't see each other. And so we banged our heads together. <laughs> and you know what I, I realized is I never even talked to this guy the whole time I was at Summer University. We had some karma. It was the last day. Well, I didn't work it out, so this is how we did it. We bumped into each other and we both rubbed our heads. And I don't know whether it balanced it or not. But uh, but <laughs> it, the teaching is resolve it now. Don't put it off because. We're building up a karmic debtor we have for so long. It's mm-hmm. time to start paying it back. Um, I, I, another question that raises in my mind, um, some relationships involve people who were born on absolutely opposite ends of the earth. And how is it possible mm-hmm. that those people, different, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different culture, can still have significant karma together? Well, I mean, you know, again, it's depending on a time or a place. And if if you are meant to meet somebody in this life, it doesn't matter where they're born. Mm -hmm. God will find a way, and your karma acts as a magnet to draw you together for resolution. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to mention one thing here is that we have karma. We can't physically balance all our karma in one life. I mean, this the Hindus believe that that they'll have to embody forever to balance this karma, a million years. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't physically do that in every life, but we can use the violet flame, both of those Mm -hmm. in our current relationships and those that we don't even know we have karma with, going back to our first embodiment matter. And that's a prayer I make all the time for the healing of any harm I have caused any part of life. 
I'm, I'm sorry. I, that brings up one other thing, too. I know people have asked me before, in terms of the karma you have with your parents, say a parent is deceased, can you use the violet flame to heal whatever that karmic debt or responsibility was after the fact of their transition? Well, absolutely. And I think that, that you realize that what happens in many cases is that when a parent or a, a person uh, makes the transition, goes the other side and has a life review and they see, oh boy, I blew it. I didn't do this, <laughs> this, or this. Right. So forgiveness of deceased friends or loved ones is absolutely important not only for your soul, but for theirs as well. It allows them to move forward. You know, my child taught me a great question or a great thing to say at one point. Uh, we were, we were, there was somebody, and it was either in a movie or in real life or whatever, who was acting out. There was a villain. And so at a, a very early age, she wanted to know, well, why is that person acting that way? And it was definitely a karmic relationship that you could see that the people were having. And um, we tried explaining it to her in various terms. And so the thing that she came up with is she said, oh, I get it. He just needs to find his love. Mm. And we looked at each other with this stunned expression, and we're like, holy cow, that's good. <laughs> she was you know, three? <laughs> she, I was like three or yeah. four, and I was like, wow, you know, that's so simple. It's like the person just simply needs to find the love in this situation and to stop acting out in a, in a, in a hurt manner. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a real key for the violet flame and, is that you, know, you feel that. Since we're talking about twin flames today, and of course people want to find their twin flames, the best way to find your twin flame if you don't have a relationship with that person or individual now, I mean, they may not even be an embodiment, so it may not be physically mm -hmm. possible for you to do that, is to start on your own spiritual path. The, 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 the best way to find your twin flame is to start your spiritual path, and at a certain point, they will intersect. Because what happens if twin flames get together too soon, the karma can be so intense between them that it doesn't work. Yeah. And so if you want to find your twin flame, whether in this lifetime or another lifetime, begin your spiritual path today. And hopefully that individual is doing the same thing as well. Yeah. You know, and I agree. that I know that the relationships that I've had, if I had had a certain relationship while I was still in the service, it wouldn't have worked out well. Uh -huh. It just simply wouldn't have worked out well. And so it was God's timing, you know, and counseling and things like that. So really what we have is we have attitude. We have prayer. We have a recognizing that we can't really do it alone. And then we have accountability. So we look at all these tools and perspectives that we can bring to bear on our relationships. And those who aren't in a relationship now, you bring these to bear anyway, as you just said, and it really helps you out. Um, you know, if we're willing to try these things and our spouse isn't, I mean, don't, don't we have to work together in order to have this work? Well, you do. And um, I think, you know, every situation is different. Many times a couple will stay together for the children, even mm -hmm. though perhaps they might not have chosen to do yeah. so uh, um, with, if there weren't children. But, you, again, it goes back to having your two-minute awareness is when you need to stay, when you need to sacrifice, when you need to learn more about love and to give, and when it's time to withdraw. Because there are times when it is counterproductive for couples to stay together. I, I think that, you know, there's there's... The, the vastness and understanding of who we are, what our purpose is in life, and the complicated factors that go into it, far more complicated than, than, than you know, traditional Western theology has ever even considered, they still come back to the simple point of starting where you are mm -hmm. to seek God wherever you are. God will meet you wherever you are, we know that, and start with the next best step. And see what happens, whether you, it's the use of the spoken word, the use of understanding, the use of love, of forgiveness, understanding the things, they can all come together when you start with the spiritual path. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and seek wisdom and understanding, which we have an abundance of, and um, then your life will change. Mm -hmm. um, 
one last thing I'd like to just touch on again because it's come up a couple of times, and that is the the forgiveness aspect. That in relationship, a lot of times when there's difficulty, if forgiveness can be thought of in the conscious unfoldment of that relationship, that can often heal mm -hmm. things that are otherwise kind of held as thorns in the sides of the people who are involved in the relationship. You know, absolutely, and I, I don't underestimate how hard, how hard it is to forgive it sometimes. And, and in some cases, it's not even this embodiment that they have such trouble forgiving. They don't know what it is, but it's something that's hard to do. And Jesus said, forgive, what is it, seven, seventy times, mm -hmm. seventy times. And so it takes work. But it's, it's freeing. It's liberating. Forgiveness is mm -hmm. the most liberating thing in the world. Forgive yourself, forgive others, and let God sort things out. It's all worth it. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week. Um, thank you, Sydney, so much, as always, for your wisdom and insight. And all of you for tuning in. Um, please join us again next week when our topic will be creative abundance. And if you're not experiencing abundance on all levels, then you really need to tune in <laughs> next week to find out why. Right. And we'll be here next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Really quickly, I wanted to let everybody know that you can get our free digital newsletter, TSL Now. We deliver this to thousands of inboxes every week. It's great articles, webinars, classes. Just go to tsl.org and click on the Sign Up Today button. Don't forget, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. Thank you, Thank Ross. you. Again, for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.